This is Betsy Jensen, and you are listening to Unstoppable Body and Mind, Episode 24, Failure. In this podcast, we learn to upgrade our brain and understand the power of our thoughts to heal and to create the results we want in our life. Become the person in control of your healing and make peace with your life. Become Unstoppable Body and Mind. Hello, my friends. Today we are going to talk about failure. So when I say the word failure, what do you think about? How do you feel when I say that word? What does that word mean to you? For me, failure is kind of a sinking feeling that I get in the pit of my stomach. It's kind of a tightness in my stomach. It's definitely something that I want to avoid. It sounds uncomfortable, it kind of sounds horrible, and maybe it even sounds kind of shameful. I have literally a visceral reaction to the word failure. And I think it comes from years of programming. We are taught in our society that failure is something to avoid, that failure is not an option. If you get an F in school, a failing grade, it might mean that you're stupid or that you're not good at this or that you can't do it. It's, it's shameful. Probably a lot of you listening are perfectionists or what John Sarno calls goodists, people who want to be perceived as good and want to be seen as good, quality, upstanding, nice, respectable people. I'm saying that probably a lot of you who are listening are that way because that personality trait of perfectionism or wanting to be seen as good is highly correlated with chronic pain and disease. And it makes sense evolutionarily to want to try to be the best we can be, to not be rejected from our tribe. I mean, it could really be a life or death situation. If we fail, if we're excluded from our tribe, if we're rejected and have to survive on our own, that could mean certain death. Our brain is still highly primitive. We want to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and for things to be easy. That's the motivational triad. So it's easy to see why we would rather not try something if we think that we won't be good at it or that we might fail. But failure is something that everyone has to deal with at some point in their life. And I would say people who are challenging themselves and really trying to achieve their dreams might even have higher rates of failure, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. The more we want to succeed, the more we have to fail. I read The 5-Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, and he won a ballroom dance competition, and I think he got an Olympic medal. And he said, partially, it was due to the amount of time he put in and the effort, but he also said that many of the people in the world don't even try to achieve such things. So for people who are actually attempting these really difficult things, there's a higher percentage chance that they could possibly achieve them just because the majority of people are so afraid of failing that they wouldn't even try. And I'm going to define that as an escape fail. 
When you just decide ahead of time, it's not worth your time, not worth your effort. It might be really hard. It might even be impossible. Maybe I don't know how to do something. So instead of following my dream, I'm not even going to try. I'm essentially going to fail ahead of time by not even trying. As I've said before on this podcast, we are motivated by feelings. Whatever we decide to do or not, whatever actions we take or don't, are because of how we think it will make us feel or we will avoid feeling. And I've said before, what if the worst thing we can feel is a feeling? What if the worst thing that could happen if we fail is that we feel a feeling of failure. Ooh, that was tricky to say. We feel a feeling of failure and that's the worst thing that could happen. And that's what prevents us from trying. But what if we really go down that path? What's the worst thing that could happen? And I'll give you an example. This happened to me this last winter. Um, Sometimes I kind of feel embarrassed asking people to do things with me because I think it's partially because I don't want to be rejected, you know, for them to say no. But I also know that when I have to say no, I kind of feel uncomfortable and I don't want to put them in this feeling of discomfort having to tell me no. So I had Um, access to a couple of snowboarding passes last winter and I wanted to ask my friend but it was really last minute and I knew she was a busy mom and I knew that weekends were really hard for her so I decided not to even ask her and I didn't go. So you might think that the worst that could happen was really what was already going to happen. I, I wasn't going to go. And so I failed ahead of time, I didn't ask her, and I didn't go. But what if the worst that could happen, the worst case scenario, was really that I missed out on something that would have been enjoyable and fun for me and created lots of good memories? What if me not wanting to feel like I was bothering her or risking her saying no actually resulted in something worse than me not going at all or not going by myself? What if I missed out on something that I really wanted, a day where we could have visited and hung out just because I was afraid of having a feeling or that I might cause her to have a feeling, which, you know, of course I can't cause her to have a feeling, but I'd put her in a situation where she might hypothetically think something that caused a feeling that was uncomfortable for her. So really trying to manage this other person's emotions and ended up just bailing out, failing ahead of time, and just not even going. So let's take another example. Let's say that you've always had a dream to be an entrepreneur and to work for yourself, and so you want to quit your job and follow your dream, but you are thinking about what the worst case scenario might be. And so it might be that you have some money you're going to invest and you might lose all of that money and have to go back to working for someone else. So in a sense, you could say whether you try and fail or not, the worst thing that could happen is essentially the same. You're working for someone else and you lost a little bit of money too. But what if the worst thing that could happen is really not that you lost some money, but that you could have doubled or tripled or quadrupled your money, that you could have followed this dream that you've had, that you're working for yourself, and 
the worst thing that could happen is actually that you never tried because you were just too afraid to fail. You're deciding not to even try. You're failing ahead of time, although it's still failing. You're just choosing to fail before you even try. Now you know that failure is an emotion and we as humans are physically able to feel any emotion. It might not seem like it sometimes, but our bodies have the capacity to feel the emotions that are in the human range of emotions to feel. We can feel all of them. Just knowing this and being willing to feel that emotion of failure, then we might risk going out of our comfort zone and trying something because we know what is already happening is probably what would happen if that person said no or if the thing didn't work. We would produce really the same result that we're already having. So if you apply for a job and you don't get it and you stay with your old job, then you have a feeling and you still have your same old job that you were in. It's what was already happening. If you ask someone to buy something, say you're selling something, and then they say no, they don't want to buy it, then you're in the situation that you already were in. You have a feeling and they're not buying it. Same as before you even tried. So think about how averse you are to failure. How much of life are you avoiding because you don't want to feel this emotion? What is the worst that can happen? Is it what's already happening? Or is it what you might be missing out on if you tried and succeeded? Escape fails are usually because of these emotions. Confusion, doubt, self-pity, and fear. I'm going to read that again. Escape fails are usually because of these emotions. Confusion, doubt, self-pity, and fear. So take a moment, think of something that you might be avoiding doing, failing ahead of time, choosing not to do because of the difficulty or emotions you might feel, and think about those emotions. Is it confusion, doubt, self-pity, or fear? It's probably one or a few of those, or all of them. But the good news is, we can feel all of those emotions. We can feel all of them and survive. What if we could change how we view failure? We'd have to rewrite a lot of old conditioning and patterns and programming, but consider with me if failing really isn't that bad. First of all, failure is a pretty subjective concept. Usually, unless you're taking a graded test that has points allocated and a grade scale, failing can be defined differently by different people. And especially if you're a perfectionist, you probably have some pretty high standards. So sometimes perfectionists will actually achieve the goal that they wanted, but still think they failed because they didn't do it fast enough or didn't do it as easily as someone else who did it. One of the first ways you can clean up your thinking about failing is looking about how you view failure. Are you tending to blame yourself? Are you tending to blame others? Are you making it mean something about yourself? You really have to separate failing from being a failure. Maybe failing is actually a sign of learning. 
a sign of risking or being vulnerable or being uncomfortable. When you try and you do everything you can, I call that a worthy fail. Failing that results from you trying your best and trying every way you can to achieve your dreams. You might not even call it failing necessarily. It could be teaching you something or how not to do something. Thomas Edison said when he invented the light bulb, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that did not work. For the concept of worthy fails, I think of a baby that's learning to walk. They don't try one time or a handful of times or for just a few days and say, I'm just not cut out for this. I don't think I'm ever going to walk. They keep doing it and trying until they get strong enough to walk on their own. And that process of falling and getting back up actually strengthens them so that they are more equipped and better prepared for walking. I think of the Japanese with the bowls, the ceramic bowls, that when they would break, they would mend it with gold. And so the area that was the weakest and that broke actually became stronger and became a thing of beauty. So in Zen ideals, you would appreciate the imperfections of the world and not hate them and not hate the imperfections in ourselves. It's all part of humanity, the perfect imperfections as Brene Brown calls them. You could view failure as getting information. Pima Chodron says in fail, fail again, fail better, that you can view failures as portals of discovery. That seems like a nicer way to think about failing than it being something that's wrong with you as a person or that it's something to be ashamed of. The only failure is not taking action or quitting. Everything else is just a learning opportunity. Now, how does this relate to pain, to chronic pain, to your journey of healing, If you've been listening to my podcast, you'll know that this is my main focus, teaching people a new way to look at their chronic pain and their health conditions and integrating with the latest research in neuroscience, where we basically learn that our mental health and emotions are a huge factor, if not the cause of our physical symptoms in our body, and especially in chronic conditions. Now, maybe this sounds interesting to you, but you're not sure if it will help you. Maybe you've tried lots of things that haven't worked and you don't want to be disappointed again. Maybe you still have doubts that this is even possible. How could your brain create pain that feels so real in your body? Or you have a health condition that other people in your family have, so you think it's just your genetic fate. I'm telling you that the brain has incredible potential. Our bodies want to heal, but we need to create an emotional environment where that is possible. Emotions create neurochemicals. So things like chronic stress creates cortisol, which is linked to inflammation in the body. And how many diseases and conditions do you know of that are due to inflammation or made worse by inflammation? But what we do in our Western society is we take 
medicine for it. We take anti-inflammatories. We treat the effects. We treat the conditions that we see and not realize that the underlying stress caused by our thoughts and feelings is what is causing the release of that hormone that creates the inflammation. It's hard. It's hard to believe there's another way that could be different than what we're taught. Our science and microscopes and MRIs are just studying the physical effects in our body. And until now, with neuroscience, we didn't realize how integrated our thoughts and our feelings are with our perceptions of pain, our pain levels, the creation of pain by our brain, and even the health of our bodies. Some people just fail ahead of time in this healing journey. They think, you're telling me this is all in my head, and I feel this in my body. But we know that research from x-rays and MRIs of healthy people can show arthritis or a torn rotator cuff or meniscus or a bulging disc, and people don't have pain, even though they have these structural changes in their body. So there's no direct correlation from these things that we're finding, these perfect imperfections of our bodies, these natural changes by the aging process are not necessarily what is causing the pain in our body. There's definitely more going on than what we had previously thought. And as Nicole Sachs says, the symptoms are not all in your head, but the solutions are not all in your body. So if your dream is to reverse your chronic pain or disease, to live a life that's not centered around what you do or can't do because of the fear of pain, if you want to live a life where you're focusing on showing up as the person you want to be and creating the results that you want in your life on purpose, then that is something you should not give up on, not fail ahead of time. Chronic pain is an epidemic of fear. I can teach you ways to reverse your pain and to heal. So if you're sick of putting your health in the hands of someone else, if you're tired of taking more and more medicine and seeing less results, if you feel like you're just surviving from one day to the next, then reach out to me. I'm offering one-on-one coaching programs right now that are probably a fraction of what you've paid in medical bills and tests and procedures. So if living the life of your dream is something that you've given up on, reach out to me. I am enrolling now for my eight-week program, and I would love to hop on a call with you and tell you more about it and see if you seem like a good candidate and might be a good fit for body and mind life coaching. Mary Oliver says, tell me, what will you do with this one wild and precious life? If you are ready to start making changes in your life and your health, then email me now at info at bodyandmindlifecoach.com. That's I-N-F-O at sign bodyandmindlifecoach.com. I will have the email in the show notes. So when you reach out to me, I'll send you a link to my calendar where you can schedule a mini session and you can learn more. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about your brain today that helps you in your life like it helped me. Please be sure and subscribe and leave a review. And of course, be sure and share this podcast with someone you know that wants an unstoppable body and mind.